What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. I'm Jimmy Himes with Vince Farrar, our special guest, Brent Hobbs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, they got you covered. And, Brent, you guys have it covered with Tennessee football. First off, your takeaways from uh, Tennessee's game at Georgia. Well, Georgia's really good. Georgia's better than I thought, Jimmy. They played they played better than I anticipated they would play. Um, there's certainly no taking anything away from Georgia. Great atmosphere, uh, really loud. I was telling you before we came on, I think I've been there 12 consecutive games that Tennessee's played. It's by far the loudest that, that I've experienced there. Uh, it was louder than much louder than it was in 2000 when Georgia up or Georgia beat Tennessee at night to end the streak that night and storm the field. Uh, Tennessee did not play well. Um, they didn't they didn't handle the start of that game very well. I've said this multiple times. The first 15 minutes, 17 minutes of that game, whatever I, I don't know exactly the, the, what the clock number is, felt very chaotic. It felt very chaotic for Tennessee. It was very helter-skelter. You know, defensively, they were on their heels early in the run game before they settled down. They gave up, a, you know, the, the, the three big plays. Offensively, there's no rhythm. It was just, it felt helter-skelter, which was a surprise to me. And it's a credit, again, to what Georgia did and the fact that Tennessee didn't help themselves. What, six uh, false start penalties inside the Georgia 35 or 30-yard line going in for Tennessee? I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. So Tennessee didn't help themselves. Georgia played extremely well. Um, that's, as, that's as well as Georgia's played. I think that's the best Georgia's played all year. And I know there's a lot of talk about that Oregon game and all that stuff with the playoffs. But to me, that's the most complete Georgia's played all season. Now, I've not watched every minute of every Georgia game uh, or every snap, but I can't imagine they played many more complete football games than what they played on Saturday. Well, from Tennessee's perspective, at times they would go from third and two to third and seven to third and 12. Yeah. Because they were illegal procedures. And yeah. they all acknowledged that the crowd noise impacted them. They didn't handle it well. Obviously, a different situation when they play Missouri. Missouri's defense is much better than what we saw a year ago. The numbers justify that. The scores that they allowed justify that. Nobody in the league has scored more than 26 in a game against them. Do you think Missouri's defense can at least slow down Tennessee's offense? Well, they do it differently. I think that's the interesting thing with, with Missouri. I mean, they've been good against the run. They commit extra bodies to the run, Jimmy, than, than what Georgia. Georgia would, would run some split safety stuff and, and felt like they could handle the run without committing a lot of extra people to the, to the run game. Missouri's going to stop the run first. Uh, they'll commit an extra body in there. They'll play more man coverage with a little less help over the top sometimes. And then their pre- pre- pressure package on third down has been good. I-, I think Tennessee plays better. Jimmy, I think the offensive front plays better. I think the pass protection from the tight ends and the running backs are better. I think Missouri presents challenges, but I think Tennessee plays better. I think it's at home that plays in Tennessee's favor. Weather would be a, a bit of a concern with what this thing looks like right now. Chance of rain. It's going to be much colder than I think anybody anticipated early in the week. Does that affect anybody one way or the other? It's the first time you played in a cold game. you know. So there's some of those variables that you don't know about. But 
Um, I, I think Tennessee will respond and should respond well offensively. I don't want to take anything away from Missouri's defense because you, you, there's no there's no need to even watching the tape of last year with Missouri's defense if you're if you're looking at that. If you're Tennessee, I can't even imagine they spent any time watching that game last year because Missouri's defense is is. It's 180 degree opposite of what they were doing. I mean, they quit last year. Okay, when you give up 458 yards rushing, you've quit, and, and that team quit. They came out in a brand new scheme a year ago that tried to surprise. T- I mean, they, they had no answer for. They were completely lost on defense a year ago. That's not the case now. They're playing with confidence. They're playing hard. They play aggressive. They really do. Particularly their safeties and, and their outside linebacker. They're kind of. Rover, nickel guy, strong, whatever you, whatever position you want to call that. Really downhill, really aggressive in the box. And watching them play Georgia earlier in the year and going back and looking at some of that game, really, really surprised at how aggressive at the line of scrimmage Missouri played, not just with big people, but with little people, like with their safeties and, and their, their undersized outside backers, really aggressive downhill at the line of scrimmage in the run game. By the way, Eli Drinkwood said on the SEC teleconference, we're not going to trot out the same scheme we did last year. <laughs> I was say. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, hey, look, he's justified no his two-year extension and $2 million <laughs> raise right there, right? <laughs> if you'd have come out and said, we're going to do what we did last year, somebody's Just like, do it better. you, you got to go. Because, th- I mean, they were so out of position. Yeah. And just they did not play very hard at all. That was that was such an easy afternoon for Tennessee to kind of get. And once they got rolling, Tennessee had Tennessee wasn't taking the gas off anything at that point. So yeah, very very different. To join us, eight six five six five six ninety nine hundred one eight six 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 five six ninety nine hundred. By the way, the DC got a even longer extension yeah. than Drinkwitz did <laughs> with yeah. what he's done. I, I can uh, I, I can understand that. I mean, again, you know. Eli Drinkwitz is an offensive guy. Now he's not got all the pieces in place, quarterback-wise, to do all the things they want to do. But they had to find an answer on defense, and and, and I think one of the reasons why Eli Drinkwitz is, you know, continuing to get opportunities and get an extension is they feel like they found something on that side of the ball to give them a chance to build on, and that's why they're offering the DC a three-year deal going please don't leave you know because they were uncompetitive last year because of how bad they were defensively now offensively they still got a ways to go uh they feel like they got some young talent to, to build there but you know defensively there was just that's as bad of a defense as i've seen in a 60-minute football game in this league in a while they were they were 90 vanderbilt-esque last year when you watched them in person really were so brent uh jay uh, jimmy kind of alluded to it in that look nobody's going to be able to duplicate what georgia did because they're not going to have their dudes in that level of talent but what specifically do you think opponents are going to at least try to do is it man coverage is it blitzes uh, what, what do you see that maybe some opponents will at least try even if they don't have Georgia's level of athlete? well I mean I think the first thing to do some of the things Georgia w- did they, you got to win in the in the defensive interior mm-hmm. and, and Tennessee had to help inside out a lot okay mm-hmm. so if you go back and look the, a lot of their 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 max protect pass protection help was initially going into the guard center guard gap. Yeah. And that freed up some opportunities for some of those nickel guys and, and outside backers or whatever to wrap on the outside, and you had problems there. You remember they had the back-to-back sacks there where it was, I think, yeah. third down and fourth down. I mean, it, it was Hooker caught the ball and he was down, right, right. because there, nobody took the outside because they were getting so much penetration inside they were trying to help there. The so yeah. I, I think the big thing is can somebody do that to Tennessee's offensive line? Nobody had done that 
until Carter did it this week. Jordan Davis didn't do it a year ago to Tennessee the way Carter did it on Saturday. So I I think to befuddle Tennessee or to cause some of those problems and allow some of that other stuff to happen, you got to be able to get inside penetration the way Georgia did. There's some dudes doing that. I don't know if Missouri's got enough dudes. I don't know how many people have enough dudes to do that. Alabama did not. That's why you could you could help with Will Anderson if you needed to. They didn't have to help a lot, but you could help on the outside with some pass pro because everything was taken care of inside. You know, but but when when you're having to double team and help and and get protection on the inside, it frees up some one-on-one opportunities and gives some run-free opportunities on the outside, which Georgia found themselves in, particularly in the fourth quarter of that football game. What about the the not passing off the coverage? Like uh, we've seen so many teams get confused on the back end because they're passing off receivers to safeties that aren't there and they have those busts. I don't know that Georgia did some bracketing. But they, you didn't have a whole lot of that confusion on the back end. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's it's funny. I don't know that Georgia did. Georgia didn't do anything more than they did a year ago. They did right. less. They did less. Yeah. You know, they simplified things and they said, "Keep the ball in front of you. Play fast. You know, yeah. we're going to play fast. Keep the ball in front of you." The, the thing that I don't think has gotten enough discussion about Georgia's defense. Obviously, what they did up front and getting six sacks is is, is obvious. Mm-hmm. But the thing that probably hasn't been – I haven't seen a ton of discussion on is they tackled so well yep. in the back end. Yep. When, you throw, when you throw a slant, I mean, it was, it was over. I mean, I mean, it was to the ground. Their, their tackling was so sure mm-hmm. uh, in, in the back end of that that it was really good. Now, Tennessee had – I say two opportunities. I know they had Princeton Fant down the sideline. They don't throw that ball – they don't throw that route very often, so I don't know how realistic that one is. But they had Brew McCoy get behind, and they had Jalen Hyatt get behind, and they missed. That's the first time they've missed on Hyatt all year, I think. I don't know how many overthrows there have been to Jalen Hyatt. If you'd have hit one of those early, does that change things? You know what I'm saying? Does a coach react differently? Georgia very much said, we're not going to – as Kirby said, we're not going to give up layups. We're fine with a penalty. He took four of them. Didn't bother him in the least. He would have taken six if need be. Uh, And then they tackled extremely well. So – um, Missouri's going to play it different. They're not going to have as much over-the-top help, I don't think, on both sides of the field. Um, and, and I think there's going to be opportunities there for Tennessee's receivers. they got to do a better job winning one-on-ones. And if Tennessee's protection can be a little bit better, then I think those opportunities are going to be greater for success. Tennessee had some one-on-one opportunities against Georgia. They missed on a couple of them. And then there were other times they couldn't get them to develop because they couldn't hold up long enough in, in protection for Hendon Hooker. So, um, again, I, I think a lot of that is I think a lot of that is Georgia's talent. I think a lot of that's Georgia having a good day. I mean, what is what does third and two at the nine look like if you don't go back ten yards? Right. Think of the first drive. They had back to back, almost back to back penalties there on that first drive after they had made a first down. Things are kind of going after the turnover. You think, hey, maybe they take the seven nothing lead here. Changes the crowd and everything else. They give Georgia's credit. Georgia credit. They got to stop. And Tennessee shot themselves in the foot. So uh, I don't know that somebody has unlocked the mystery to the Josh Heupel offense. Um, but I give Georgia credit because talent-wise, they could do what they wanted to do. They played well. Their crowd helped them play even better. And Tennessee struggled. And the thing you mentioned earlier, I, I think Georgia's a really good tackling team. No, they're terrific. Not, not just Tennessee. just yeah. They're really good. Yeah. I, I think I asked Heupel that before the week, what makes them such a good tackling team. But they uh, they don't miss many. No, they don't and, miss many. You know, and I watched them play Missouri, 
you know, that night, because that was an interesting game. Because yeah. it's like, wait a minute, you kept waiting for Georgia to take off running with this thing. And Georgia turns it over, had played bad. Georgia didn't tackle particularly well that night in the run game. Missouri was, they weren't carving them up, but they had a couple long runs and, and everything. Uh, so you thought, maybe this Georgia team's off a little bit. Maybe they're, maybe they're not good, but boy. You knew they would be ready to play. They were ready to play at a an, an elite-type level on Saturday. The other thing Georgia's really good at, and they have been since Kirby Smart's been there, there, there can't be a better red zone defensive team in the country yeah. than Georgia. I mean, they're, they're long. They tackle well. They play in space well. They can get after the quarterback. I mean, it, there's no layup when you get inside the 15-yard line for them because you can't line up and run it at it, and then it's a reduced space. I mean, Tennessee had five trips a year ago uh, and got two touchdowns out of it, I think, was what they ended up with a year ago in that game. And then uh, what they have, four, three trips this time and got one touchdown out of it. I mean, Georgia's been really good at red zone defense, and, and that's been a main – that's been a huge part of this run Georgia's on right now. That's Brent Hubs. If you want to join us, 865-656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. His appearance brought to you by – diversified enclosures and screen from designed installation they got you covered we're at buckethead tavern uh, located on raymere's boulevard across the street from target our special guest brent hubs of allquest.com is appearance brought to you by diversified enclosures and screens let's go to the phones where alan is our first caller alan you're on with brent hubs hey guys hey alan um i got a give me a quick question for you from monday and then i got one for brent Okay. Um, did you discuss with Gerald the? I think it was Kentucky Missouri game. The punt snap goes over the punter's head. He they tackle him and he's trying to kick it. Did you discuss that with him? Yes, and that was uh, the correct call because even though it went over the punter's head, the punter was still in the tackle box. If the punter is still in the tackle box, he is protected. So that was roughing the punter. Wow. Wow. It's a tough call. I mean, that's a tough I'm one. not saying it's not the right rule, but that's that's a tough call for a kid to go, wait a minute, ball's over the head, go get the football. Oh, wait, punter's got it. i got to stop. i got to back up and let him kick the ball. All I can do is block it. I can't, yeah. I can't run into the punter there. That, I mean, that's – I get to, I understand that's the rule's the rule, but, boy, I think that's a that's a putting, a putting a player in a tough position there. I wonder how many people know that rule. Not many. Here's the other thing, too. If you're a rugby kid, one of those Australian kickers, and you get out of the tackle box and you're running, they can knock the heck out of you. You're fair game in that point. So yeah. I, I would tell them, tee off on him, just don't hit the guy the ball snap. Well, do, do, I mean, do you think they change that rule moving forward? Because to me it's the equivalent of being – I mean, I know you got a tackle box, but if it's over your head, you're not – I mean, I, by definition the tackle box never ends. I get that. But you're – you're, you're, in theory, not in the tackle. It's the same scenario as kind of scrambling to kick it like an Australian guy kick it, kicking the ball a little bit. Right. Do you think they changed that? Gosh, I, I, as slow as they are to react, probably not anytime soon, but maybe down the road. But you're trained. So much of that rule is originated because uh, coaches have to coach them on the angle of the punter. In you, you can't go at the punter. You have to go in front of the punter and, and towards the, the foot. You can't coach a situation like that. Like, nobody works on that, so it's tough. Uh, hey, Brent. Yeah. So here's a, here's a hypothetical for you. All right. Um, let's say – I'd say there's a 10% chance of this, but I don't want to bait, debate the chance. I want to see on, what man. you let me get do. my pen. Let me get my pen because you're already <laughs> – you're, you're going right. down that road. All this right. one's going to be a good one. All right, roll with me. All right. 
So the final four teams for the playoff are Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Michigan after a Ohio State-Michigan close game. You're the, you're the committee. Do you see the first two games as Georgia-Tennessee, Michigan-Ohio State, so that the final is not a rematch? Or do you see the first two games, Georgia-Michigan-Tennessee-Ohio State, and have a 50% chance that the final is not a rematch? Which one makes more money? Uh, I, I think you would lean towards having a non-rematch championship game. So I guess you would take the semifinals, and, and that would be more of a rematch. So I don't know. Jimmy, what do you think? You think the opposite? This came up with Gary Stoken yesterday when we talked to him. I just know that what Gary Stoken said. Gary Stoken said that the number one seed gets their choice of location. Okay. And that's it. And if it's Georgia, you know Georgia's going to go to Atlanta. Right. And then it's if you're seated four, you're going to play Georgia there. And if you're seated two or three, you're going to the Fiesta Bowl. Now, he also said they don't change people on the line like the NCAA men's basketball tournament does. To manipulate matchups. Right. Right. So if you're four, right. if you're staying right. four, you're not moving to third. Right. We're, we're, so. we're, we're, all, we're all in on that, right? Yeah. We're all in on well, nothing's give, being moved around. <laughs> we're, 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 all, we're all in on that deal. Give me an example where they did move it. Well, I don't know that the, I don't know that the well, case. I don't know how many opportunities have come up, but yeah. let, I, let's look at week one to week two in the playoffs. So we could go. What was important? Not nearly as doesn't seem as important as it was this week in the playoff standings. So the idea that For it's example, black and give me, white give me is an example of that. Well, you're, you're TCU and Alabama. TCU and Alabama. There, there's the first one that that jumps out there. Value in a win. You know, we value wins was the quote this week, right? So mm-hmm. just a win. So if you lose the the Oregon losses. Is the equivalent to Tennessee losing to Georgia is the implication that's made there. TCU makes the drum. It's the record versus teams with with a 500 record or better that they value th- that way. The, 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 the narr- I'm not saying that they that they manipulated it this week. I'm saying their talking points this week were different Same. talking points than week one talking points. And, and I think that, to me, that's pretty evident that that is the case, which is what leads to a little bit of the whole – how black and white is it? Because we yeah. don't know what that committee discusses in the room. And I'm not. I'm not a conspiracy guy. Like, oh, they're in there. You know, they're they're. It's 97 Heisman Trophy all over again. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But there's a human element to it. That that human element seems to change from week to week. Now, why does it change? Okay, I, I've said this publicly, and I, I believe this. I think it's a pretty boring broadcast if it's the same four teams in the same spot every week. I'm not sure a lot of people are paying attention to it, right? That's so, conspiracy so, theory. So you move some things You're a around. Conspiracy theory. But don't you think you move some stuff around to, to, to have some intrigue, to have a talking point? No, I'm not into that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I not. think there's a little but, bit but, of there. But I have seen, we know the NCAA basketball tournament's done it. I just haven't seen it in the college football playoffs. I mean, if you I, give me, if you can give me an example. I, well, what, get, what's, what's the response well, to the TCU deal this week compared to last week? Well, what's the I mean, difference? It's, it doesn't matter right now. What matters no, is no, the no, final but, one. I understand. No, one. now that that's, that's not the argument. I agree with that, but that's not the discussion I was having. I was saying week one to week two. So from week one to week two, last week to this week, what changed with TCU? Was the win over Texas Tech that important? That that impressive? That they suddenly jump a one loss team? 
where they did not jump a one-loss team last week or they were not ahead of a one-loss team last week in Alabama? What changed from week one to week two? I agree with you. It's going to work itself out at the end. Yeah. And that's my point. They have to create some discussion point till you get to the point that it really counts, which is why you see in the NCAA, Joe Lenardi's got a bracketology every week, and there's a movement every week, right? There's, they're, a, they're, they're the first four out, first four in. They're on the one line. They're in the VIP coach or what, whatever, whatever guy's putting it out there. There has to be some of that discussion or, or, or there's nothing to talk about there. Now, he's, at the end, it sells itself. don't even play games. So, I mean, I just think that's completely different from what the college football playoff group's doing. Completely different. I don't see that as the same. So, I'll go back to the question. What was different between TCU week one, week two? TCU got another win. And, and right? Sorry. Yeah, and what did their opponents do? Because they're looking at the their resume changes week to week. Teams come in and out of the. So, so, who, so who bolstered TCU's resume last week? See, here's the, here's the deal that you look at, Brent. you got to think about there could be one person that changed their mind and flipped it. Only one out of 13 could have said, you know what, I like, t- I like TCU. They beat Texas Tech. They've got six wins against teams that didn't have a losing record. So one person changed their mind could have flipped the whole thing. Right, which it's is not what, like 13 people. Which do. is what I said, that there's the human element to it yes. that nobody understands yeah. what, what the human element to it is. And, and, and that's, that's my point because – you know what somebody felt a week ago might feel differently this week and that's not a bad thing because what does that create what has everybody talked about since tuesday mm-hmm. what are they talking about tennessee five T- right. tcu four right. where are they at i mean is that a bad thing for programming again it sorts itself out at the yeah, end of the I'm, week I'm at the end of the year it takes care of itself okay I, that's true, but I'm not buying they changed it just so they could bring drama to the table. I'm not buying that. That is conspiracy theory, which you just said you weren't a conspiracy theorist. Well, I don't have any proof that anybody's done it, but I'm asking that. I'm asking. I mean, somebody said this week, "Hey, I feel, I feel, you know, I feel like I need to move TCU because of some factor." What is that factor? They don't ever reveal those factors. I wish they would. You know, so what was the factor in moving that? Was it because West Virginia was impressive? Was it because a common opponent? Or, hey, I saw Texas Tech play in week three, and I think they're a lot better than everybody else is? What, what, are, those, what are those factors? That, that's, why you don't, that's why I don't know the answer to that. And, again, moving it around is not a bad thing for discussion. Boo Kerrigan's response was, well, as you know, obviously wins matter. So that was his explanation. <laughs> Wins matter. Yeah, that, that's because yeah. they had beaten six winning teams, something like that. I mean, so, okay. Yeah. So it's Tennessee, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and that's that's the thing yeah. is, and again, there there is no there is no right answer. That's the beauty of it, right? Because it's not plugging in a bunch of computer formulas and spitting it out, right? So it's a human equation. It's a human answer that everybody can debate what that decision is, which the debate is the part that college football is enjoying in the month of November. What was that thing Roy Kramer said years ago? Hey, they're talking about it. That's exactly right. They're talking about it. That's exactly right. That's Brent Hubs. When we come back, we'll solve the Kennedy assassination. (laughs) Alan, we appreciate the phone call. To join us, 865-656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Brent Hubs' appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screens from Design to Installation. 
They got you covered. I'm Jimmy Himes with Vince Ferrar, our guest, Brent Hubbs, FallQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screens. If you want to join us, 865-656-9900, 1-866-656-9900 as we come to you from Buckethead Tavern. Let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on with Brent. Hey, man. Hey, hey Steve. Hey. Uh, Ren, is everything going okay besides the ball game? Yeah, life's pretty good, Steve. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> uh, who is left out there in recruiting? I know, I know, one is in the war room last week, and I want you to talk about some of them a little bit, if you would. Uh, how many? Who who do you feel good about as far as the rest of our class? Uh, I mean, I, I, that's, I think right. Who, who do you feel good about? Well, they obviously got Vice and Lang, the offensive guard, offensive lineman this week. Um, the, the, the running back from Alabama, uh, Keith, decommitted from uh, Kentucky, and uh, he's going to visit Tennessee. I think Tennessee's positioned themselves pretty well there right now. It's a bigger back that I think Tennessee uh, really likes. The more and more they looked at him, they went and watched him play and offered after that. So I think Tennessee is positioned pretty well there. Uh, Davin Hobbs or Davin Hobbs is the, the defensive line prospect um, who was – um, at Georgia for his official visit to Georgia this past weekend. Obviously, Georgia left a real impression. Going into that, that visit, I thought that was Tennessee-Alabama, Georgia third. I think right now that's Tennessee-Georgia. I don't know that there's a leader right there, but I think Georgia left a real impression with the way that they played and the atmosphere that was there. He's seen Tennessee multiple times. I think the further that he gets away from the visit, the better off it is for Tennessee. He is going to make a decision here in the, in the next two to three weeks probably. Um, so we'll see where that one's at. Uh, I don't think Tennessee is in. I don't think Tennessee's in dire straits there. But but that one's gotten harder because I think of of the visit he had at Georgia. Uh, but right. again, we'll see what I mean. What his thoughts on Georgia were Monday afternoon after leaving Athens Monday morning, and where they are a week later are very different, right? You have impressions. Right. You never know when the newness wears off of something, and you kind of get back into your normal conversations with people. You, you kind of get away from it. Most kids don't make decisions based on the results of a game. They just don't. I mean, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't see that. They don't look at that and go, well, I'm going there because they won. I don't think this kid's in, in that camp either. I don't think he, will, he would do something like that. Um, and, and then I think otherwise, Steve, you know, we'll see if any other names pop up. Uh, Arian Carter is a guy who is from uh, out in the mid-state who – Kind of burst on the scene here this fall. He's going to visit Tennessee in December. That's a big. That's a big win for Tennessee if he does go through that visit. I thought he might make a decision before he ever visited Tennessee. Alabama has been the favorite there, uh, but I think he wants to see Tennessee before he makes a final decision. After that, I think you're talking about looking at the transfer portal and what happens in the transfer portal for Tennessee. Where are their needs? Uh, how do their needs change based on what happens in the transfer portal with Tennessee players? And then what's available for Tennessee out there in the transfer portal? I'm not saying they're done recruiting 23s, but but I think there there's just a handful of 23s left, and you're really focusing in on the 24 and 25 class right now. Right. Okay. Well, my mind was on a little bent. One of the last players he was talking about is there somebody named Carter? Is that what you said? Did yeah, Arian Carter. Where's he from? Mid State. Oh, oh yeah, the linebacker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, well, okay then, pal. You hang in there, and uh, tell you what, most of my friends say, keep in mind, Georgia had about fifteen five stars on their team. 
And, you know, let's face it, and they are well coached, wouldn't you say? Very much so. It's a good program. I mean, they've done, yeah. they've stacked recruiting classes for multiple years, and it shows. You know, Jimmy, when you lose the amount of people that they lost to the NFL draft and you can come back and play defense the way they're playing, uh, that says a lot about their ability to stack recruiting classes. And those guys have stayed, you know, and, and they, they haven't had a bunch of guys jump into the transfer portal. There were a lot of common names, a lot of names that Tennessee fans, if you follow recruiting, know that Tennessee was very much trying to be involved in and, and, and were involved in uh, who, who made plays. And so um, that's a good football team um, who played really well that day. I don't know. They will not play that well this week. I don't think they will sustain and play back-to-back weeks with the same level of intensity, with the same level of effort, with the same level of fundamental focus the way that they did against Tennessee. They're going to beat Mississippi State. I'm not suggesting that they're going to lose. But I don't think it will be, wow, you know, most impressive team out there back-to-back weeks. Because I think it's hard to get guys to play at that kind of level each and every week. It is. And they played at an unbelievable level last week, I thought. Steve, we appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Chris. Chris Young with Brent Hubbs. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, Brent, hey, Chris. Uh, first of all, how do I get through the war room? Are you still writing that? Yes, sir. Every week, every Friday. It's on the front page of the site at midnight um, on Thursday nights, and it's on the message board uh, about 11.30, 11.45 every Thursday night. On Valquest? Yes, sir. My goodness. Okay. All right. Um, explain to me, if you would, please, the uh, – COVID rule as far as uh, Tennessee players who are eligible for a sixth year, for example, or how did that work? Like for, with Cedric Tillman, for example, could he come back for a sixth year if he wanted to? Oh, Lord. I, uh, it's a great question. I, I don't know that i got a flow chart, Jimmy. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> there, 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 there are so many things in there that involved in a guy medical at some point. Did he redshirt? Did he redshirt the COVID year? Did he play the COVID year? Um, all of those kinds of things. For example, Jalen McCullough can come back. He can come back if he wants to come back, okay? Um, I, I think Jawan Mitchell can come back if he wants to come back because he got a medical for last year. So it, I don't have an absolute answer to all of that because there are some waivers out there. There are some things that you have to, to win on some of that stuff. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you that, hey, there's eight of them, or, hey, there's six of them, and here's who they are. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just kind of hard to get a little, little bit of a handle on it in some ways because part of it is when did they redshirt if they redshirted and all of that, Jimmy. So it, it's, it's tough. I mean, you may have a better answer than me. I'm, I hope you do. I'm not sure if this I answer. Failed. I actually, <laughs> one time I thought this applied. You used to have five years to play four. Now you have six years to play five. You can't play six years. You're not supposed to. Right, but it, but you, if but you six years to play five, which means you redshirted somewhere in that six. Year yeah, period. but I think there's a little bit of a. Isn't there not is there not a little bit of a parameter in there? If you redshirted during the COVID year, maybe you don't get the extra year. If you set out that year, there's some. I don't th- know th- that. There, there's. I think there's a kind of the choose your own adventure. If you pick here, go to page C <laughs> for the ruling it's a type board deal. Game all of a sudden, um, that, that's why it's hard. That, that's why it's hard yeah. to get a, a, an answer. You know, an answer to that. Um, you know, so I, I think that most of the people you think are going to leave are probably going to end up leaving. Jacob Warren can come back if he wants to. Princeton Fant can't. Yeah. You know, um, he's been here six years, right? So, because he—he's this is his sixth year. He, he is maxed out. Jacob Warren can come back if he wants to come back. I think Ollie Lane could come back if he wanted to come back. 
um, because of the extra COVID year. So, um, and then, and then when you throw in the the medical, the medical deal, the medical waiver, the medical redshirt type deal, that that's where it kind of gets a little bit of a wrinkle in, into some things that way for me. I'll try to get a better answer for you than I got because obviously I give I've given you nothing the last two and a half minutes. Well, I appreciate it, and, and uh, that means you're going to have trouble solving the Kennedy assassination, gentlemen. <laughs> We're working on well, it. Well, we, we went to commercial. Br- we went to a commercial break, and Jimmy made me feel about sixteen inches, or about a sixteenth of an inch tall, after he broke down the college football playoff and basically informed me everything I was wrong upon. So. Um, we're good to That's go that way. Right. I'm just kidding. But there was somebody behind the grassy knoll during the college football playoff announcement. Hey, Chris, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. When we come just by, remember that Oregon loss is the same as the Tennessee loss to Georgia. Yeah, just remember yeah, that with Jimmy. Whoever said that needs to go behind the grassy knoll and not come out. I guess Brent Hubs of BallQuest.com. Uh, gosh, we are we're almost there. Uh, give me your, your couple of keys for the. I screwed up the whole hour, no, Jimmy. No, we had a, a nice conversation. It was a conversation. What an argument or a debate. <clears throat> I lost. Uh, <laughs> tell me about Missouri. What What are the keys for Tennessee against Missouri? I, I think you got to protect, keep him and Hooker upright, uh, particularly on third down. Tennessee's got to stay ahead of the sticks. Don't lose the turnover battle in potential inclement weather. Start fast. You know, don't don't, don't kind of be lay, laying around here. I don't think you got to score 21 in your first three possessions or anything like that. But but don't let that don't don't be flat. Don't be kind of uh, ho hum to get going here. Get get that thing going and get going fast. Do you buy that Tennessee will bounce back quickly? It sounds like it from the coaches and players. Yeah, I mean, I I like the leadership and the maturity of this team. So so I do. I don't think that they have spent a week dwelling on the loss. I think that there's anger and disappointment because they didn't play their best, and I think they're ready to go back out and prove to everybody uh, and prove to, you know, to the world that they're still what they were two weeks ago when they were the darling. And so I, I do think this team will bounce back. I'll be surprised if they don't play well. What can we look forward to on VolQuest? Well, we've got the War Room. Uh, we got a matchup piece right now. We'll have predictions tomorrow, 10 things I think I think. We'll have a player's lounge. We'll have uh, all kinds of things going on to get you ready for a noon start between Tennessee and Missouri. A little recruiting out there as well. Uh, continued basketball stuff uh, also. So it's that, that crossover time of year. There's lots of stuff going on right now. A little baseball, too, yeah. by the way. Oh, yeah. There's Ball a lot World going Series, on. Yeah. Yep. Brent, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, they got you covered. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.